What's going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It is heard live every day from noon to three on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content like invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with all the links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And again, thank you so much for your support. We are talking the election, and we are talking local state stuff. Uh, You are free to weigh in. Questions, comments, you can make your endorsements as well. By the way, I don't do endorsements. I know some people have asked me for, you know, who do you like for these races? I don't do endorsements. I I never have. Um, If I like a candidate, I'll tell you I like the candidate, but I I never – I never make an endorsement like you should pick this person over this other one. They're the best person for the job. I never say that about candidates. For starters, uh, there are usually, especially in primaries, there are usually several good candidates running. And so, you know, I'm not going to tell people to go vote for one. If you like this other one, go vote for that other one. It's fine by me, you know. Uh, Also, being a libertarian-minded kind of a guy, I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life, you know. That's you live your life. I'll live my life. If you ask me, I'll tell you who I like, who I don't like, whatever. But I, I'm not I'm not trying to convince people to vote for uh, one person over another, except in this case. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, there's an interesting development. It kind of uh, uh, connects to the topic that we've been covering on the A.I. front, which is deep fakes, the deep fakes. Not the deep state and not the deep stakes, the deep fake. All right, this is where you take audio, and it's honestly, it's one of the concerns I have is somebody who has, you know, uh, spoken on the radio and have had my words recorded, my voice recorded for 20 years. You don't even need that much to take audio files of my voice and then construct fake. Audio sound bites of me saying things. And then the video side of the deep fakes, same thing. You can you can make a person's uh you could take a still image or a video of somebody and you can make that still image or video uh look like it's talking. So you marry these two things together and you could and like on it like from a personal standpoint, it's like, yeah, people could take my image and likeness and my audio and, and manipulate it, make me say things and make it look pretty believable that I said something that I didn't say. So there's that. And for me, that's a that's a personal thing. But, you know, at a, you know, zoom out and, you know, you could have people doing this, state actors, terrorists, whatever. You could have people doing this with leaders of countries, you know, announcing war or something. And it's not real. It's a fake video with audio that's been constructed and it sounds exactly like the person because it's their voice. They take different uh, inflection and tones and sounds of a person's voice. All they need is a couple sentences. That's it. This is like the thing where they, uh, you got these like spoof calls that come in and it's supposedly a kid asking their grand. You know, they call like an elderly person and like, oh, hey, grandma, this is, you know, Pete, I need some money, whatever. And, you know, grandma sends the sends the money. That's a scam going on now. If your grandchild asks you for money, don't give it to them. It's just a general rule I've always lived by. Um, former Congressman Mark Walker. 
he is running for Congress again, and he has become the victim of these deep fakes. Two of them, two videos that cloned his voice, made him say stuff he didn't say, basically, and then stuck it onto a video, albeit poorly. One of the videos posted on social media came from First Freedoms Foundation, a Greensboro-based super PAC that is supporting Christian Castelli. It uses a video that Mark Walker posted on Monday, and then it dubs over the video with audio that sounds like Walker's voice saying he is not qualified to be in Congress and that Castelli has a better resume. A second video, which is also fake, has Walker saying that he is in over his head and he believes Castelli will win. Um, both videos were posted Tuesday afternoon and have since been removed from all of the Super PAC's social media accounts. Mark Walker highlighted the deception in a news release calling them deep fake videos created using artificial intelligence. Now, if I recall correctly, this guy Christian Castelli, his campaign has been accused by Republicans, and he is a Republican running in this Republican primary, and this is up in the, uh, what, District 6 race, Congressional District 6. He's accused of using old endorsements from elected officials from two years ago, I think, and touting them as if they are still endorsements for this cycle to the point where you're, I think Richard Petty had to come out yesterday or day before saying he has not made any endorsement in the race. Castelli told the McClatchy newspapers that he did not know that the videos even existed. Quote, I don't like AI for this very reason, he said. It's dangerous. It's hearkening back to the emergency phone calls people have received saying their children are in distress. It's disgusting. It's scary stuff. He said he has no connection to the super PAC because, of course, that would be illegal. Unequivocally, nobody on my staff is associated with this. He said this is the next level of dirty politics. Now, the people who are associated with the super PAC, they might have some legal problems. Now, the Federal Election Commission uh, according to reports filed with the FEC, shed some insight, according to McClatchy, into this pack. It claims that there are two custodians of records, Michael Good and Paul Kilgore. They are both based in Atlanta. An address used by the super PAC traces back to Carolina Digital Phone in Greensboro, whose founder and CEO Nikki Smith is the main contributor to the pack. So you've got Good, Kilgore, and Smith. According to the reporter, Danielle Battaglia, none of them answered the phone Wednesday to respond or responded to voicemail seeking comment on the story. I wonder why. Um, the FEC has not set regulations on the use of AI to make video or audio commercials, but is considering it. However, um, it, it could run afoul of um, some of the rules about uh, distortions and such. I don't know. Walker is considered to be the front runner in this race. Um, besides Castelli, he's facing four other Republican challengers, including Trump-endorsed former lobbyist Addison McDowell. 
former NC State football star Bo Hines, former High Point Mayor Jay Wagner, and plastic surgeon Mary Ann Cotogianis. 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 Anyway, um, so we got our first deep fake in North Carolina politics. Good for us. Um, also, in the congressional—is this the thirteenth? Yes, the thirteenth district. Brad not, Brad not, not living at the house he's been voting at, or claims that. Yeah, so he goes in and he votes for like a long time, and he hasn't lived at that address for a long time. Also, he's a federal, a former federal prosecutor. <laughs> so. All right. Hey, maybe you have heard by now DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to North Carolina. It's coming soon, on March 11th to be exact. DraftKings is one of America's top-rated sportsbooks with same-game parlays, money lines, and props. The best features like odds boost and live betting and social betting groups where you can share your bets with your friends in real time. DraftKings is safe, it's secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. And it all starts on March 11th. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and then place your bets on your favorite sports once it goes live. And again, it goes live on March 11th. And now here's the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 877-718-5543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Eligibility restrictions apply, subject to regulatory licensing requirements. And see terms at draftkings.com slash sportsbook slash nc. Um, Brian Anderson, formerly of the Associated Press. Then he went over to work at uh, WRAL. Things did not go well over there. And he left, and I've seen some comments he has made about non-competes. And anyway, it did not appear to be a, an amicable split. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know any of the backstory, uh, you know, office drama or what. I don't know. But he went out on his own, and he's got his own sub stack. He's trying to make it work as a uh, an independent journalist. His name is Brian Anderson. He's got his uh, sub stack is called Anderson Alerts. Um, and I think when you subscribe, uh, you get one of those things that hang around your neck. So if you fall, you can hit that thing and it will alert him immediately and he can come to a story on your demise. No, I'm kidding. It's, uh, <laughs> no, he covers state and local politics. And so he sends out a lot of stuff on Twitter, but he also posts on the Substack. and he was the one who broke the story. And then WRAL followed up and did the story. And of course, never gave him any credit, which he pointed out on Twitter. Um, but a leading Republican congressional candidate voted in at least six elections at the wrong precinct. Okay, so he's in the right district. He's in the right county. He's just in the wrong precinct, okay? And the reason he was going to the wrong precinct is because he was still voting using his parents' address. In an interview yesterday, former prosecutor Brad Knott, living at the right address. No, I'm kidding. His name is Brad Knott. Uh, he acknowledged being registered to vote using his parents' Raleigh address, which is three miles south of a townhome that he owns and has owned since 2014. So for 10 years, he has owned a townhome. I assume he lived in it. He was voting at his parents' address 
from 2010 through 2023. So for, what, 13 years. 13 years. He has been registered to vote at his parents' address, but he bought the townhome in in 2014. All right, so WRAL. This was the piece by Andy Specht. The property listed a property on Oberlin Road in Raleigh as his voting address. Um, It is his parents' address where he grew up. He purchased a property three miles away on Alistair Drive, and uh, it had been his residence since 2015 or 2016, he said. But he did not update the address because it, quote, slipped my mind. By the way, have you voted in person? I have. Do you know what happens when you vote in person? They ask you your address. Did you know that? They do. They do. You walk in and they're like, hey, do you still live at blah, blah, blah? And you're like, yes. But he doesn't. And maybe the first year you moved out of mom and dad's house and you got your own town home. And so you're out on your own and you forgot and you show up and they're like, oh, do you still live at mom and dad's home? And you're like, oh, darn it. I forgot to update that. So, yo, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm in the same district, right? I'm in the same town. I'm in the same county, county commission district, state district. All, all that stuff is the same. The only thing different is I'm in a different precinct. I'm just a couple miles away. Records show that since Knott bought his Alistair Drive property in 2014, he voted in person in five general elections whilst registered to vote at his new address. Or sorry, at his original address, Oberlin, his parents' address. He said that his votes did not compromise the integrity of any elections. Quote, it's a paperwork issue. Yeah, no, no. Not a paperwork issue. That's not a paperwork issue. Maybe it would have been a paperwork issue on the first go-round, right? First election cycle, oh, you forgot, you just moved out, totally understandable. Next cycle, uh, not really buying it anymore. Third cycle, fourth cycle, yeah, no, no, sorry, buddy. You like now, Now you're engaged in some level of fraud, right? Because you're not updating your your voter registration. When North Carolinians vote in person, they are required to share their address with a poll worker and they have to sign a form testifying to their eligibility to vote in the precinct. The form features a disclaimer that says, quote, fraudulently or falsely completing this form is a class I felony under Chapter 163 of the North Carolina General Statutes. A class I felony can carry a maximum penalty of two years in prison. Nobody ever gets that, though, when they commit vote fraud. Um, He told WRAL that he did not remember being asked for his address when he voted at the polls. He does not recall. Well, isn't that convenient? That's funny because I recall every single time I go in there, I get asked. Literally, every single time. It's almost like the poll workers are trained to ask me. In fact, I know they are. I know they are. I I know some poll workers. Some of my best friends are poll workers. So they do ask you this, and if I recall correctly, um, it's right there in the book. You can see it. It's in the book right there. The Oberlin home and the Alistair home are located in separate judicial districts and have different district representatives on the county commission. Okay, so they're not in the same district. 
for the local races. Not noted that both houses uh, are in the same congressional district, though, about three miles away from each other. They're also in the same legislative districts. Uh, even after he bought his home, he said he did live with his mom and dad and his in-laws for extended periods of time while they got married and when they renovated their house. When I moved back with my parents, should I have filed it back then? Maybe so. When I moved in with my in-laws after I got married for a few months, should I have filed it there? Well, maybe so. But, you know, we missed it. We acknowledge that. No, see, here's the thing. The law is pretty clear. It says, where do you intend to return? That's the whole point. How does this guy make any kind of a convincing argument about election integrity laws? Like, how do you get up and argue about, like, college kids voting in municipal races and stuff when they don't intend to stick around, right? They're not legal residents there. They're still being claimed as dependents on mom and dad's taxes, right? How do you have any of these arguments when you got this kind of baggage? Not a good look, not. Oh, there you go. Campaign slogan. Not a good look. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even because being prepared is just smart carolina readiness supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency in waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out got a message from kevin who says dr vilma leak was my high school social studies quote-unquote teacher I never felt like I was one of her babies. I just hope for her sake that there is a statute of limitations for arresting bad educators. Um, and boom goes the dynamite. Okay. Um, Algernon Cash. He is a nationally recognized speaker and the managing director of Wharton Gladden and Company, an investment banking firm. He had a piece the other day at the Carolina Journal. The headline... 2024 primaries are important crossroads for GOP. And I've talked about this a couple different times. Um, It is conservatism versus populism. And I know there are some uh, people that have asked me what, you know, what's the difference. And um, uh, it's a false choice, essentially, that I am uh, that, that I'm constructing there that it's either conservatism or populism. Um, and so I thought this this fellow, Algernon Cash, and his write-up here at Carolina Journal was a pretty good explanation of the difference. And I, I agree with this, uh, uh, with the way he has, uh, with the way he describes it and why these two ideas are in conflict with each other inside the GOP. So he says, in recent years, the Republican Party has found itself at a crossroads torn between traditional conservative values and the rising tide of populism. Nowhere is this conflict more evident than in North Carolina, where the battle for the soul of the GOP has profound implications for both the state and the nation as a whole. Populism, with its simplistic solutions and divisive rhetoric, poses a grave danger to the principles that have long guided the conservative movement. Instead of promoting personal responsibility and fiscal prudence, Populists appeal to 
to base instincts and exploit fear and resentment for political gain. And by the way, populism is a tool for any political philosophy. Any of them. This approach undermines the integrity of the Republican Party and it allows the equally divisive progressive Democrats to position themselves as the, quote, normal party, while sneaking in their naive, harmful agenda. Right? This is the, you know, populism is, is fiery, it's hot, right? It's, it's, it's the mob with the pitchforks and the, and the torches. And it makes people feel powerful. Makes people feel like they're part of something, part of a movement or a mob. And um, this is this is of concern to conservatives because the mob is always something to be wary of. He says, as we examine the dangerous implications of populism, it's essential to understand its origins and how it manifests in contemporary politics. Populism often emerges during times of economic uncertainty or social upheaval when individuals feel disillusioned with the established political order. It taps into legitimate grievances and then channels those into a narrative of us versus them. It pits ordinary people against a perceived elite or against marginalized groups. Populism's influence transcends political ideologies as it manifests in both far-right and far-left positions. While the left capitalizes on fears surrounding voting rights, school choice, minimum wage, taxes, policing, etc., populists on the right take typical conservative causes like guns, border security, election integrity, and they whip up a frenzy that can spin into conspiracy theories and violence. Right? That's always part of populism, by the way. Always. It's this, this undercurrent of violence that if you don't do what we want you to do, there's going to be some violence coming your way. One of the most alarming aspects of populism is its disregard for democratic norms and institutions. Populists often portray themselves as the voice of the people, claiming to represent the true interests of the nation, while demonizing political opponents as corrupt or illegitimate. This rhetoric can undermine trust in democratic processes, it erodes the rule of law, and it paves the way for authoritarianism. You can read the rest of this. It's at carolinajournal.com. I've just given you sort of the overview of the populism and conservatism thing. Um, he talks about polarization, um, but he, he, he concludes by saying it's time for principled conservatives, not just in North Carolina, but across the country, to speak out about the dangers of populism and to reaffirm conservatives' commitment to the values that have made America great. We must reject the politics of fear and division and work together to build a more inclusive prosperous, and just society. Okay, so this is, again, Algernon Cash at carolinajournal.com. Um, and I, I agree with him that populism is at odds with conservatism. I agree with his assessment of the danger of populism. And in my view, it is akin to the pitchforks and torches. 
Now, you may be of the mindset that that is required right now, that we are at a time and place that this is required. And maybe you and I just have a different um, number in sort of the uh, the cascade effect, right? This is uh, There was a sociologist that wrote about um, back in the 60s, talked about uh, the riots and talked about how um, people would see somebody break a window and uh, maybe – you know, their number wouldn't be zero. Like they would not be the first person to break a window. But if their number is one, as soon as they saw somebody break a window, that one person they saw, that checks the box for them. And now they'll go break a window. And maybe somebody sees both of them and now their number is two. And so then they break windows. And that's how it cascades. It, 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 it's like a rolling uh, riot. And uh, by the way, there's some uh, elements of that that is uh, that are at play in mass shootings sort of a copycat effect like what is your number you ne- like it, it it didn't like most people never would have done that had they not seen so many of them already occur and so then the cascade effect occurs and so maybe your number is lower than mine and maybe at some point in the future you know when the bolsheviks are uh, revolting uh then you know you and I are going to be on the same side on that but i desperately Try to avoid the violence because that's what politics is. Politics is the avoidance of violence. Politics is the settling of disagreements through peaceable means. Otherwise, it is just violence. And that kind of destruction, you do not easily come back from. And I think there, and I've said this for years when I've talked about, you know, uh, America's, uh, you know, this rift that's been growing between left and right and people are like, oh, we need another civil war and, you know, take up arms and all this other stuff. Like a lot of people, I think, have some views that are completely divorced from reality that these, th- this, this thing that they hope to see happen will not affect them, that it will not touch them. And I guarantee you it will. People you love, people you know will be dead. That's what happens. That's why you want to engage in the political discourse. What is it? Uh, politics is the art of saying nice doggy while you look for a rock. <laughs> right? That's, that's what you, you want to always settle this stuff with the words, settle it with the rules, with the law. Because once you get to the point where it can't be settled with words anymore, a lot of people are going to get hurt. Um, I got a message here from Tim. He says, regarding conservatism versus populism, the Republican Party has not been conservative for at least three decades. Bush won, and later Republicans caused me to question just what conservatism is. Sort of like Newspeak in the book 1984. Let me go over here to Bob. Hello, Bob. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pete. How are you hey, today? Hey, I'm good. What's going on? Well, uh, I think you and I may have a disagreement today, so I want to preface by saying, Pete, I love you more than my family. Oh, that's very kind of you. Now tell me yeah, why you're me. wrong. Tell me how you, how you are wrong on something. You didn't let me say that. <laughs> my, my, my family can't stand you. <laughs> oh, anyway. that's hurtful. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's my understanding that populism and the definition of words, especially keywords like populism, for example, I think establishing a definition is very important. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, what I've always known is that populism 
was, uh, as it relates to a politician, the tactic of uh, trying to appeal to the people. Now, that doesn't mean that it's uh, holy or anything, because they may abandon certain conservative or even liberal stances in the uh, in seeking out a more popular appeal. You know, why did Biden start talking about the border? Even though what he's saying is largely incoherent, he's talking about the border because it's gotten so popular, which is that kind of word. And I don't think populism has anything to do with violence or riots or anything like that. In fact, if populism is not a critical element of our way of doing business as a government, then wouldn't that render demonstrations, protests, rallies, letters to your congressman? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it just render all of those things moot? No. What is populism? No, I think so. I, I think we agree on the general definition of what populism is. The problem is in how it is used, right? And to the degree that it uh, corrupts various philosophies, because I think you are exactly right, is that uh, it is just about essentially popularity, right? So as such, uh-huh. it doesn't it doesn't bind to any particular philosophy, and um, it, it can be used. Then it's a tactic, if you will, to be used in service to something else, right? So whether that's a conservative philosophy or a, a liberal philosophy or, or, you know, Marxist philosophy, whatever, you know, populism can be used for that. The problem is precisely that as well. And the thing that makes it of benefit in order to get people on board with a particular cause or philosophy, therein lies the danger, too, because you end up with the four wolves and a lamb voting on dinner, right? Because that's popular. Uh, that's populism, too. That's popular for the wolves. If the people are chanting for dinner and they are looking at the lamb to eat, popularity would dictate that you go ahead and kill the lamb and eat it, right? Yes, but, I mean, you know, what is wrong with listening and even trying to incorporate uh ideas and, and beliefs of well but it, it sounds like it it sounds like mm. populism is a dirty word now it it, it can be bad there was right. a little german fellow that was a populist <laughs> right. that went bad mm-hmm. but uh you, you know if if our if our, here's the other thing if republicans started acting conservative and democrats started acting liberal then maybe populism would die on the branch. Maybe so. I think, but populism has been around. I mean, it's, it's always been around, I think ever since you've had, you know, politics. Um, And again, what this guy wrote, Algernon cash, he says it taps into legitimate grievances, right? So he's not dismissing that the grievances exist. He says they're legitimate problems, right? And, and people have legitimate grievances and that's what is tapped into using populism and then it channels that grievance though into the narrative of us versus them and that becomes problematic this is no different than what we see on the left either where we hear uh, you know the the oppressor oppressed uh uh mindset right where everything is sort of 
cast into this mold of oppressed oppressor, us versus them. And that becomes a dangerous place. This is why, you know, I've, I've been asking this question for years, which is, you know, what is it that makes us Americans? What is the thing that binds us together? Because to me, that is a critical thing. And if we've lost sight of the thing that unites us, and there are a lot of people in politics that would prefer we lose sight of this, right? Marxists, Bolsheviks, they would prefer that we lose sight of what it is that binds us all together. Um, That's a critical question for us to agree upon. Uh, Because if we don't, I think our country's in serious trouble because we are a country based on an idea, not based on blood and soil and, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, a long history yeah. of you know bloodlines and all that stuff. We're we're not. We're based on these ideas, these theories. So yeah, but you know that Algernon Cash sounds like a loyalty reward coupon at a halal restaurant. Maybe so. Uh, maybe so. Uh, so maybe that puts him in a unique position to be afraid of populism. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> no, you know, look, populism uh, is is a is a tool, right? It can be and just because something is popular doesn't mean that it has to be populist. Right. And vice versa. Um, I, the, the, the problem with populism is that it is in many ways antithetical to conservatism, which is about rules and principles and the maintaining of these institutional norms. That's what. Cons- and, and look, maybe a lot of people are waking up and realizing that uh, they're not conservatives and they never have been. They've just been kind of living in the Republican Party. That's possible. Um, well, that's my point. I mean, you know, uh, who's to say that a, a sufficient majority of Americans are conservative or are liberal? Maybe they're a little mishmash of each with, you know, sure. guys like me that have kind of heterodoxic opinions about some things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and like I said, if, if, if Republicans acted like conservatives, uh, the lines would be much clearer. Maybe so. Bob, I appreciate the call. Thank you, sir. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I could not do the show without your support and the support of the businesses that advertise on the podcast. So if you'd like, please support them too and tell them you heard it here. You can also become a patron at my Patreon page or go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Again, thank you so much for listening and uh, don't break anything while I'm gone. <laughs>